Kira team. Welcome to the Uncomfortable is Okay podcast. I'm your host, Chris Desmond. Today, we do a couple of cool things. This is episode 10, so we've made it to double figures, which is pretty awesome. Today, the podcast also has its first three-way conversation, which creates a little bit of a different dynamic to uh, our usual conversations. I'm sitting down with Deb and Dave from Learn Coach. Now I don't know about you, but when I was at high school there were definitely a few concepts that I just couldn't quite get the hang of, and no matter how many times I read through the textbook, it just didn't seem to help that much. The teachers weren't always readily available to talk to about these problems. Now it turns out that I wasn't the only person to have these issues, but unlike me, the guys that I'm talking to today actually did something about them. So back in 2012, Dave Cameron, who isn't Britain's Prime Minister, had a vision to make NCEA clear and simple for all New Zealand students. And together with co-founder Deborah Lambie, Dave used his powers of communication and, for the first time, his maths degree to create an online oasis of free tutorials to help NCEA students succeed in their exams. Now, this has quickly become the most widely utilised site of its kind in New Zealand. Deb and Dave blame the wild success of LearnCoach on the thousands of New Zealand students who watch their video tutorials. They've helped literally thousands of New Zealand students pass their exams and LearnCoach is going from strength to strength. Even though it's successful now, Deb and Dave have faced some challenges along the way and they'll continue to face them. So we're going to talk through some of these today. Thanks to you all for tuning in. If you're a regular listener, cheers for sticking around with us and welcome back. If you're new, welcome to the podcast. Hopefully you hang around. Feel free to go back and browse the uh, episodes that we've done before. And enjoy the chat about getting uncomfortable. Is okay podcast. Uh, I'm sitting down today with uh, Deb Lambie and Dave Cameron. Hey. Welcome to the podcast, guys. <laughs> How are you? Good, 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 good. Awesome. So I think we'll just get into into things. Can you guys give us a little bit of background about yourselves? I don't know who wants to start. You can go. Oh, I start. Should I start? Yeah. So I am um, 25. I was born in New Zealand. Um, born in Dunedin, grew up in Dunedin, um, went to university in Dunedin, um, studied medicine, um, and in between my, well I loved studying medicine actually, um, but kind of didn't take long for me to start to see that there's lots of inefficiencies in our healthcare system, um, and that there's lots of things that could be done differently, and that is what first got me interested in entrepreneurship and doing things differently. And that led me to take a year off between my third and fourth year of medical school, 
where I did a master's in entrepreneurship and taking that time off to learn about basic sales, finance, accounting, feasibility analysis really changed my worldview and the way I see things and from seeing the world with a mindset or made me kind of start to see the world in terms of problems and solutions which is really um, that worldview which has allowed us to start Learn Coach which we'll talk a bit more about in the future. Yeah and I grew up in a small town kind of near Wellington called White and it was this it's the retirement capital of the southern hemisphere so I went from there which is pretty pretty old school of retired people down to Dunedin which is big focus on young people and that was fun but yeah down there I, I got into tutoring and then, and then really enjoyed it so changed tack a little bit and went into teaching and that was I found it really fun but the same as Deb really there's something in you that always wants to think a little bit bigger or you kind of think what if I could do the next thing or if you could do it with you know 100 people rather than 10 people and so same did the same course the entrepreneurship course in Dunedin which was awesome and then subsequently have got much more into that left teaching and started several companies so it's been which I love it's really it's a great journey so it makes the whole process exciting taking something from an idea to a real life thing mm-hmm. so it's cool yeah that creation process process is really really interesting and, oh, and awesome to be able to kind of get in there and get your hands dirty with yeah. it really it's a really creative process too so you kind of start off thinking imagine this or wouldn't this be cool and there's so you yeah, think that's so much about life that when you really actually make something happens or it becomes real you're like wow it was, it was just an idea and now it's a real thing it's, it's really it's really fun really yeah and I think often your ideas evolve as you start to get <laughs> into it sure, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. the what you end up with isn't always that initial idea that uh, oh, that you definitely, had definitely yeah. it almost just starts you on the journey huh? yeah and as you take the next few steps until you, you learn a better way to go about it alter slightly to carry on yeah. so I think that's a never ending process in some ways though yeah, yeah, I think so. I've just like thought of an analogy for it, like rolling a rock down a hill. You can kind of set it in motion, but you can't really direct it too well and can't kind of envision what else it's going to pick up yeah, on the way down yeah, there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the cool thing is you can almost have a, a goal or an outcome you want to get to, but the pathway to get there can be so variable. So it's like, for example... You might have an idea that you want to reach so many thousands of people with teaching. This is something we'll probably talk about later. How you get there is so variable in the way that you can communicate with these people, whether it's through podcast or video or live tutoring or online stuff. But the goal kind of remains the same oftentimes, or that vision you have remains the same. But ideally, over time, you get a little bit smarter about how to get there. Yeah, and I think with the way that technology progresses as well, the way that you reach these people is ever evolving and it's gonna it's gonna consistently change. So with the stuff that I mean podcasting might be obsolete in five years' time for all all I know. It's like these these episodes might just be lost in the ether. (laughs) What a shame. What a shame. (laughs) It it would be, but oh well. Hopefully yeah. a few people listen to them now anyway. <laughs> yeah, go get them while yeah. we can. Yeah. So I guess when, when we kind of started with Learn Coach, we had quite a strong notion of changing lives through education. And education is something that's always been really important to us and has led to lots of awesome opportunities. And I did heaps of tutoring through school, like one-on-one, um, and then we both of us were like, oh, how can we reach more people? Did five-on-one, did workshops, would take 30 kids. 
And then we're like, oh, there's got to be a way that we can reach more people than just one-on-one. So that was kind of that whole idea of using technology to scale so that we could reach more people was where Learn Coach really started. Do you agree? I think so, yeah. And the, the real power in that is when you're tutoring, say, one person like you described, you see a real pride. It's very personal. You kind of think it's so sad that this person isn't having the help they need or it would be so cool if this person could get the grades they need or whatever it is. Very personal. And then you kind of think that you want that for more people and more people, but you really pretty quickly do hit that natural ceiling if you don't have time or whatever it happens to be. So then to be able to think of how you can get that kind of personal effect in a, in a big sale is really cool. But I think it was really a nice way to start it is when you start small and start really personal. Yeah. It kind of means when you grow it, it's still got that same heart, so to speak, to it or same culture or same goal to it. Whereas I think sometimes it's tempting to think big because it sounds exciting, but it often kind of lacks that heart. So it was really, it was a really nice way to incrementally grow it up from very few people, and then over time, being more and more, and then bringing technology into it as well. Yeah. So what Learn Coach basically is is it's a a, a web a website that has um, very specific tutorials for NCA students, and they're kind of webinar styles, so students can watch them rewind, fast forward, there's resources that they can do practice questions on, they can submit their own questions. And when we started, um, we've been, I don't know, we've been really lucky because it's had got really good traction. And over the last three and a half years, there's been over 50,000 students that have watched more than 3.7 million tutorials, which has mm. been uh, really exciting. Yeah. And kind of like any startup, there's lots of things looking back that we're like, oh, we could have done that a whole lot better. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we're yeah constantly trying to improve and make the content better and think of other ways we can do things. And I'm excited to see where it will end up in the next three and a half years. That's right. And kind of what it is, you get a kid at home who's by themselves. Anybody who's been stuck at, whether it's study or homework problems, if your parents don't know how to do these things, you just don't have help. And it's, really, it's, it's not that fun study. And so just have somewhere you can go to get someone or a video, whether it is that, or questions or ask and, and get stuff answered. So you can just instantly or very quickly get over that hump. And it's completely free. You can go online and access it anywhere. Just makes your life a lot easier. Because most people want to study or need to study because they want to do well. But most people don't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So being able to create something that can help engage them, get all that productivity and, and progress in learning, but without all the hassle and, and hard work that tends to come with it. So actually, it ends up engaging people a lot more ironically by making it easier and faster. Mm. And something that will kind of help or like support students into their uncomfortable space, because it is uncomfortable when you don't know something, when you feel like you don't understand, when you're finding it hard at school. And so we're trying to kind of come alongside students and support them into that uncomfortable space and through that to understanding and things like that. So kind of like a guide through that area for yeah. them. Yeah. And starting off is very simple. You've got a kid who's sitting in a class who really wants to do well in their test. It's almost always to do with doing well in a test. Their parents are saying, you know, I want you to get good grades. Their teachers are saying it. It's what people look at when they apply for a job. So the kid doesn't necessarily care about maths or biology or whatever. Most people don't do that stuff for a hobby. So really it's all about how do you help, you know, some motivated person with good intentions get to that point where they can do well and feel good about it so it was really simple in that here's what you need to know here's how you use all that knowledge to try and do well in your exams and then you're going to engage more as a little bit but we kind of you create a positive cycle where a kid does well they get a little bit more confidence they try a little bit harder and then do a little bit better again the next time and so it's quite a it does tend to come with 
someone does well on a test or they feel good about what they've done and they buy in a little bit more over time so it's it's been an interesting cycle cool and it just kind of builds that momentum it does yeah, really, really. Does. how do you guys how do you guys go about providing that service for free to people a lot of time and volunteers to be honest yeah yeah it's definitely well I guess it's good for us is that we feel like we're actually making a difference which is important because if if you didn't feel like it was making a difference or that it was helpful it just wouldn't be worth it um, but for us it's been really important for the tutorials to be free because I don't think it should be a barrier to young people um, succeeding or having the help that they need and there are so many as one in ten New Zealand students finish school with no qualifications at all which is pretty sad and also um, in New Zealand Maori Pacifica students do a whole lot worse than their kind of European counterparts um, and so for us it's just about making a difference and if that means spending our evenings and weekends working on a project that we really believe in for free it's totally totally worth it uh, it's, it's so we both we both have other jobs so we don't need to rely on it for income but it is it's sounds really cheesy but when you see this positive impact or you're getting, yeah. I mean, especially during exam time, getting like hundreds of emails a day and from teenage kids being like, thanks so much, it made such a difference. It's, it's really quite moving and quite touching. Mm-hmm. And that tends to be way more motivating than than money stuff, which honestly I never imagined would be the case. <laughs> but but, uh, yeah. but here we are, I guess, yeah. so it's, it's good. And at the moment we're doing a kind of outreach program on Wednesday night at Ngāti Tōmurai and we're teaching some of the students there maths and science. And it's amazing. One of the or one of the parents came after last week and was just. What did she say to you? She just said that it's been for her kid. It's just been life saving and it's meant such a difference going through things. It's re- it really is touching when you hear a story of someone who they have such good intentions, doing everything they can, but just because they're lacking a little bit of subject knowledge or understanding of the high school system, they can't get those results that they should mm-hmm. be able to get. So. Whereas when you know what you're doing, it doesn't take that much support or that much help to make a disproportionately big impact. So it's really nice to be, it's only a small piece of the puzzle, but really nice because it can change the whole direction of where somebody's going. Mm, it just kind of breaks that cycle a little yeah, bit yeah, as well. Yeah. And because parents, like parents genuinely care a whole lot about their children and about the success of their children, but not all parents can actually help their children with their homework and not all parents have the skills to help them with their maths and their science. And I was like, oh, imagine that if you really wanted your child to succeed and do well at school and you couldn't help them with their homework. And so it would be awesome, or for me, if I was in that position, if someone who did have the skills could come along and help them, that would mean so much. So it's awesome to be able to kind of give back in that way. So it's kind of what we were doing with tutoring very initially, just one-on-one tutoring while we were studying, way to earn some pocket money. So then to be able to turn that into a system with videos to show you how to do it or a tech system where you can submit questions. It's all quite simple, mm. but it provides the exact same outcome that everybody wants, ideally doing a little bit better or learning what you need to know. So it's really exciting when you can try and provide that same value on a, to more people. What challenges did you guys face putting it together? Or what, what challenges are you guys facing now, keeping it going? I, th- I think the bi- when we very first started, the biggest thing was that it was all an idea completely. And then getting it out and getting it live to know whether is it something that anybody really wants? Yeah. We're talking about it. We talked to, you know, it's a business effectively, it was, especially when it started. It talked to some business people and they just got amazingly negative responses about what it could do. 
in terms of why would anybody go, like teenagers go to a study website, they're just gonna leave and go to Facebook. Or why would you do something with video tutorials? People can just go onto YouTube, yeah. Khan Academy, or well, a yeah. lot of the alternatives. Hasn't that already been done on Khan Academy? Um, yeah, no one will use it. So that was, it was kind of, you, you can't help but doubt a little bit of, you don't know you're doing the right thing and the proof's only in the pudding. You can put it out there and if it doesn't work, heck, they're right. And then you're an idiot for not listening to them. On the flip side, if it does work, they're like, good on your initiative, you saw something. So, it, But before, you had no idea. So it's it's a real challenge, and particularly in those first weeks when it went live. It was not that long before exams, but it was like I talked to, at the time I was teaching, talked to my assembly, we talked to a few different people, and, you, and it was kind of like about 30 or 50 people or something like this signed up to the website, which, and the whole country didn't feel like that much given all the work we put in to set this thing up. And then it kind of was pushing, pushing, and again, we even put an ad in the newspaper, nothing really happened. So it was kind of being like, oh, tried all this stuff, nothing's really working, obviously nobody wants what's going on. But then uh, something clicked, and in the next kind of few weeks, it was 10% of the whole fifth form population signed up. So it was yeah. t- turned out that, that it actually worked out quite well. So yeah. it was, but it, you kind of, there are definitely periods when you just have no idea what the outcome's gonna be. So you're kind of running on blind faith to some extent of hoping you've got a good intuition or hoping you're doing the best way possible. And kind of the biggest challenge at the moment, I think, is because we both have, this isn't this isn't our day job, um, we both have other jobs, I'm working at the hospital, um, Dave has his other, well, has a job, um, and it's really hard to fit everything in, and we have all of these ideas and plans and things that we really want to do, and we just don't have enough time to make it all happen as fast as we want, so it's kind of that, like, balancing act of trying to do as much as you can, and... Yeah, it does kind of wish there were more hours in the day to get everything done. Do you guys have a structure in place to divide your time and to balance it between all your other, your, your day jobs and your other commitments as well? No, probably a smart thing to do. We probably need, we probably need one. But um, yeah, we just try to work on it if there's like an evening where we don't have anything on or yeah. a weekend where we're not away or yeah, it's definitely uh, tricky. But the other fun thing is that I quite like the variety it brings as well. So when you go and you do something different, especially when you're passionate about it, it doesn't feel like work in quite the same way that your day job does. So it's, it is something which you can look forward to or get excited about. And when you're excited about something, it's like sports training. It's all hard work. But if you really want to be doing it, it doesn't feel like work. So it's kind of the same thing with this as well. The, the flip side of this, either more hours in the day, people volunteering, but also not charging for it at this point, charging for that stuff means that we're not paying other people to do it either. So it, it does make progress slower. So it's a there's a flip side to, to both of it, but I think right now it feels like the right balance to be finding. Cool. And I think you make a good point about being passionate about it yeah, so it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. It's like with this podcast, I really go, enjoy going out and talking to people. So yeah. I spend a lot of time on it for obviously no money, yeah, but yeah. it's it's cool to be able to... to Talk, come and talk to people like yourselves and have interesting conversations with them and it doesn't it doesn't feel like an ob- something I'm obligated to do which is good and I think that's what you want in life it's kind of the journey is surprisingly more important than the end as soon as you get anywhere you're just thinking about the next place anyway so if you can have fun along the way man it makes a difference yeah. you, know, you go to bed happy you look back and you're proud of what you did all of that stuff really means a lot to you as an individual ideally you're making some positive impact in another part of the world as well yeah and I think if you're not passionate about something and you've just got a goal oh, yeah. at the end point then it's just kind of drudgery trying to get from where you are now to that point 
and yeah, you probably have um, some warm fuzzies when you get there, but they won't last for that long because you're not you're not overly passionate about it. Yeah, I think that's right, and I think as well, a lot of these things run on your energy or your drive or your ability to convince someone to help you out with something you can't do or spending time in an evening when you're probably tired. If you're passionate or getting excited, other people are excited to come on with you. Whereas if you're not, it's just people don't buy into something if you don't believe it yourself. It's like I'd never sign up to help out somebody volunteer if they're like, oh, that's all right. I don't know. I don't like it that much. So you really rely on that energy and passion. I think you do yourself, but everybody else who takes part does as well. So it's it's great. And it makes the whole thing fun. Like working with people like that. have got a few other people we work with remotely, volunteering for the most part. But it's really fun working with them. Yeah. Yeah, so one, or one of the coolest things that we've done is get our friend on board who's a comedian and so what, yeah. what he's done is he's gone through the whole website added all of these awesome jokes and then we're going through um, different tutorials and making them funny and making them fun and it's interesting because the whole idea of that was to engage students but that's actually really engaged us because it's so much more fun, like being like, oh, this is going to be awesome. Oh, this is so cool. Um, you know, like trying to make it fun for us as well. And we've got a Facebook page that, <laughs> have you seen the Facebook page? No, I haven't had a look at it Oh, yet. we have. Um, we post like a few good one-liners every week, which we really enjoy making up. Well, he makes them up and then we choose the best ones. Um, and they're hilarious. We think they're hilarious. <laughs> It's true, it is funny, the more stuff that we think, that would be so cool for them, really it makes it way cooler for you. Yeah, if we're trying to have fun doing it, yeah. It kind of comes out. Yeah. It was, it was great, actually. And interestingly, other people who I thought don't really care about stuff, which are, you know, quirky lines on a website, talking to other universities or people who kind of uh, engage in different ways, they actually really like it as well, despite the fact that I thought it would detract from the more serious or PC nature of, of education, but... It's fun. I think people are all the same all around the world. Everyone wants to have fun and not take life too seriously. I think so. And I think, yeah, making making education fun is, is really important. Um, and if it's not fun, people aren't going to be, like you say, passionate about yeah. doing it and, and about learning. So yeah, true. I think that's right. It's very true, actually. And it's like the coolest, the coolest people to work with, the coolest people that you've met are all people that really love what they do and enjoy it and have fun doing it so if we can bring that to education and make kids I don't know enjoy coming onto the website which sounds really cheesy they will do achieve so much better because of it we when Jen first came on we had this um this website which I thought was kind of good it was it did everything fine and he was like oh it's great it it looks slick and just like an accountant's website (laughs) (laughs) thanks like yeah it was it feels when you talk about culture, it feels like when you bring life to all those outside things like a website or a Facebook page that you might not look at day to day, but other people will, it, it's, a, it's an expression of who you are, which makes the whole thing have a, or the whole internal working have a culture. So you can have fun, you know what values you have as people, all stuff which sounds so abstract before we did it, but makes the whole experience really enjoyable as you go along. So that's, that's been a big part of it. There's some good advice to me as well, I think, um, I don't have a, an official website just yet, um, but when I build one, I definitely better make sure it doesn't look like an accountant's website. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So where do you guys want to take this? Or is it just kind of an evolving concept at this stage? I think the big direction we want to go is around at home and focused around assessment. And so the idea is that everybody gets valued on their grades at school. 
So kids are, you know, you're smart or you're dumb, depending on how you do. And it's a big part of who your identity is when you're at that younger age. And so to be able to take people and help them redefine that. So effectively, if you can do well, why not do well? Everybody's happy. You know, the student, the teacher, the parents, everybody. So to be able to not just train students for their exams that are coming up, but to be able to bring in things like online testing that they could do themselves or um, and things that they can do inside the classroom, I feel like making that education and testing more easy for students to access is a big part of it. So there's a range of ways we can do it, whether that's adding more content so people can get their benefit for a range of subjects, actually getting people to do real assessments online. Imagine if you could, you know, you fail a test at school, you could go home, do it on the website and get the credits anyway. It will be so awesome. Or if you're slightly short of passing or slightly short of getting a merit of excellence endorsement. All of those things, if you can help improve your grades, it completely changes your, one, identity of what you can do at school. But two, you look a lot better on paper. Everybody's happier about how you've, you've been a success at school rather than a failure at school, so to speak. So I think that direction is where we want to head in the future. And something else that I'm, that I'm really keen to do is bring in, the, I mentioned before about how Maori and Pacifica do so much worse in education in terms of statistics. So I think um, for us, how we've been doing the outreach at the Marae, we'd like to really kind of key into how we can make our site work better for those kind of groups of students who are struggling even more than um, the average. And so that's another space that we'd really like to work on over the next year, two years, three years. There's also a funny dynamic between technology and people and that computers are awesome at some stuff and terrible at other things. So most people, when you say, what was your favourite subject at school, for example, they'll describe a subject where they had an awesome teacher. Really nothing to do with the content, but it's all to do with the person. And when you're talking online education, you're really taking that personal aspect right out of it, which I think is an important part of everybody's learning journey. So trying to find out how we can marry up all of that subject knowledge, which is really important for actually passing and doing well, with people who are role models or inspiring, whether it's tutors or parents or teachers in students' lives, so that you can have the best of those both worlds, the offline engagement with a real person that can inspire and motivate and manage you, and all the best kind of teaching or content knowledge that will help you get somewhere. I feel like figuring out how that will work uh, is a big part of the goal as well. I think that's going to be forever a balance of finding that one as technology evolves and we get better systems. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point that you make as well, because some people really love the self-directed stuff, which obviously your, your content provides with some guidance but other people just thrive on that interaction with the teacher and and the teacher's personality as well and i think it would be really arrogant to be honest to assume that teachers don't have a really important role in in students lives arrogant and false so to kind of think that teachers are great when they really engage people when they really motivate and inspire students so especially if you're thinking you can create all these subject resources which to some extent is the dry necessary part of teaching Combine that with people who are inspired. Hopefully it allows people, whether it is parents or tutors or teachers or anybody, to actually focus on the personal aspect of teaching and get more engaged with the learning and the people rather than having to worry about all of the administrative tasks, whether it's content knowledge or teaching or tracking or testing. So that's something which would be great to kind of plug in, take away all that stuff which can be a real hassle and really allow more time and mental space for people to be good at what they're, what they're good at. So I was teaching for several years, and the part that I loved about it was when you've got classes of students, you get to know really well, they're super fun, super funny kind of kids, but then I hated that administrative stuff, I hated tracking, I hated all the paperwork you have to do around it, all the meetings to plan things, 
the fun part is interacting with the students, trying to motivate it to you know, motivate them to do things. And so I, I just can't help but thinking, if I had something like this when I was teaching, it would have made my life a lot better. So it's great to be able to try and create that as well in an environment to, to make that a reality. And do you have a plan in place that you're that you're working through at the moment to to get there? We, oh yeah, yeah. We have a we've what, we've made, we made a big plan at the start of the year with all of these like great goals and timelines and we are quite far behind in the timelines already. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we yeah we like sat down and had a, like a big like planning session and um we yeah we've got a plan. It's just sticking to the plan is quite hard when you're juggling I don't know a job and. Yeah. yeah, I think sometimes I definitely find that I overestimate what I can oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, accomplish in the short, short term, yeah. um, but probably underestimate what I can accomplish in the long term. Yeah. And it is those, just that consistency and those small steps working on something and, and almost kind of making it a habit rather yeah. than actually hitting every yeah. every marker that yeah. I want to, to hit along the way that actually I'm just putting in the work I'm doing it and it just slowly grows yeah just doing a little bit over time adds up to so much and I'm definitely like a real believer in that if you just do a little bit consistently you will end up so much further than someone who's like burning like what is it a bourbon bus who does yeah. like a whole like we'll do like an overnight and like get really into something and then stop so I'm definitely like just slow and steady consistent and, and that, for me I'm, I'm traditionally a crammer so to speak rather than a, a consistent study which it's been a lesson for me to kind of see the value the things which I'm really proud of or that have been the most impactful have been things that I've been chipping away at over time and so it's a really nice lesson to know that you're right you can't overestimate I often overestimate what I'll be able to do in a day or in a week or whatever it is but over time it's I'm often amazed about how far you can come when you stick at something. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. And I think these things do take time. Because when you think of rolling something new out, you've got to get the approval or buy-in of people. You've then got to run some kind of pilot to see how it works and measure the results. You've then got to make your adjustments. And if you're building tech, especially because we're relying on volunteer people at the moment, that takes a lot of time before you can even roll something out and start to grow it and, and, and incrementally improve it. So I think that process is quite a few steps before something becomes widely available to the general public. So going through all those pre-approval and testing stuff sounds really boring, but it's such an important part to when you push it out. You haven't got fundamental problems because if you push that out, you're really multiplying out your big problems that you've got. So that's... Um, I don't think, yeah, and there's no, I, or I don't think there's any real shortcuts in life or shortcuts in creating something of value or in doing something really worthwhile. Um, so you just have to put the groundwork in. And I don't think anyone who's done anything worthwhile would be like, it was easy. We just, yeah, it just happened overnight. I didn't have to try. So, yeah, we're just kind of like slowly but surely putting the groundwork in. And that, I think that's why it's so important to love the process. Because groundwork's hard. Any groundwork in any job is hard. And so therefore, if you love the process, you're prepared to put it in day in, day out, then you get the effective, consistent you know, outcome over time. So, and you enjoy the whole process of doing it, and you want to keep doing it and do more of it. And so I think that's why the people that you work with, the kind of culture that you have, so to speak, and that you're doing something you're actually passionate about, it makes an unbelievable difference. Otherwise, you just don't, you know, stand in the shower and think of a new idea, or you don't talk to somebody about it, or you don't mull it over and put in the hard yards. It's, it's really key to have that driving impulse. Through this process, have you battled with uncertainty around it? Uh, 
what you're going to achieve with it say oh is this actually going to work or am i doing it wrong or mm. yes and no yeah it's interesting i think the uncertainty's been around what the outcome will look like I think yeah the goal has always been the same if we really wanted to do two things which is one help students learn in simple and clear ways because when you realize you can do something like calculus you realize it's actually really easy once you've got it you can do many other things as well and the second thing was show and help people do better on their tests so that they've actually got the credit for the hard work they've been doing. So those goals have been the same, but what that looks like in terms of a website or how students go through a process can be quite variable. So the biggest uncertainty was before something went out. As soon as we got a lot of users, we knew there was actually a really positive impact that was happening. Yeah. However, it's hard to know what that'll look like in terms of, you know, do we need to add in a bunch of things that make money so we can grow the site out further? I mean, one thing that did was a huge part of at the start of the year was registering the charitable arm for, for Luca, so the charitable trust. And that is kind of a lot of what we're doing is, entirely what we're doing at the moment is charitable in nature. Therefore, it's really great to recognize that, possibly get more funding through other sources as a charitable trust and be able to multiply out the effect. So figuring out how that works, how that will work is really it's really uncertain. Do we want to create a business or jobs for people? Do we want to create a completely free service? Do we want to spend all of our time or just a little bit of evening time in the future? That's yeah, like, do you want this to be your job? Yeah. Those kind of questions. But for us, like, we know that it works and we know that people love using it and it's, so it's just, it's not really about will people use it or will people find it helpful. It's how can we best push this in the direction that it's best in the future. Yeah, and I think it's kind of like that saying, there are no good decisions, yeah. there are only decisions, and then you have to actually work to, to make them the right decisions. Yeah, yeah. I, heard, I heard one guy say to me that it's like there's no good or bad decisions or right or wrong decisions, it's just interesting and boring decisions. <laughs> <laughs> but it's quite a great tool for life, because you're all going to choose stuff, you'll never know what would have happened if you chose something different, so why the heck not have some fun along the way, or be like, what if? Because especially in a country like New Zealand, if you're not betting your house or your family or whatever on something, you don't have that much to lose. You might spend your savings or spend some time, but it's much more than likely that you're going to get a lot more out of it personally, even if it flops. But you have this big potential upside of it could go really well at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like when you're reading those choose-your-own-adventure books when you were little, and I think a lot of us kind of try and live life like we're reading them with that finger stuck in that page that we've come from so if that if the uh decision goes badly we can just kind of flick back yeah that's right that's right safety nets are always quite nice. helps with the uncertainty though as well to be honest it does yeah yeah can you guys tell me about a time that you've failed and what you learned from that so many to choose from yeah so many to choose from yeah uh, well, something that I found really, I guess, disappointing was, I don't know why, but I always really wanted to win a Rhodes Scholarship and go to Oxford um, and study, and I got shortlisted, and so I got to the top seven in New Zealand and um, had interviews with the Governor-General, and then there's this, after the seven of us were interviewed, they give three people a scholarship, and so you all, like, the seven of us all kind of, like, went to wait around all afternoon and then lined up and we're just standing there and then the governor general comes out and is like the scholarship has gone to x y and z and it wasn't like it wasn't me and that was like pretty crushing at the time because you part of like the whole application process is you have to say 
what you what you want to study, why you want to go there, what you want the impact of your study to be. And so to have gone through all of that, you start to really visualize it and imagine what it will be like. And so that was really, really, I was like pretty crushed about that. And I guess what I really learned was that from putting yourself out there and by going through the whole process and then it not working out, you kind of realize that it's okay to fail. What is the like, what is actually the worst thing that can happen? The worst thing that can happen is that you don't end up where you want to end up. But by focusing on that goal for a period of time, it meant that I did so much better in my study. It meant that I got to really develop my idea of where I want to end up. And even though, and I still feel like disappointed actually like even talking about it now, but hopefully in the future I will get to go and it might just be by a different avenue. And if I had gone, there's other things that I have done which I am really proud of um, that I wouldn't have been able to do if I had been studying over there. So it's been really good. Even though it is sad to like really set your heart on a goal and for it not to work out, you kind of realise that it's okay and that you only win by striving for something. So for me it was a little bit different. <clears throat> Just after starting Learn Coach, we, uh, I came up to Wellington and started another company which was focused on, on China. So we went over there and, and ended up raising a bunch of money. After this three-week trip, we thought we'd booked a whole lot of uh, contracts. This was going well. So we'd taken a bunch of investment money on and made all these promises about how big and wonderful the world was going to be. And so many months later in China, none of these contracts had eventuated at all. Nothing was happening. We kind of realized what we thought was all going ahead really wasn't. So I'd been standing on stage in front of literally hundreds of people telling them what we'd achieved and what we'd really done. Realizing after that that, geez, that, that wasn't actually the case. This really hasn't worked out like we told them to. And then kind of sitting on my bed over in China, kind of thinking, I've hired staff over here, we've set up offices, everything's kind of happened. I can't even order a meal over here. How am I going to find the millions of dollars of contracts I'm supposed to do and, and kind of let everybody down? And so it's it's a really uncomfortable and awkward place to, to be. And so you really do, I felt like failing without even realizing it, which was... Um, it's really disappointing because you have a big vision of where you want to be, but you know you, you don't get there so often. And what's that? What's that quote? I can remember after um, or the day that I kind of like got that bad news. Um, I rang my school, actually my school principal, who had helped like help me prepare, and she was like, "Life is full of disappointments. Don't let them get you down." And I was like, "It sounds like a cheesy quote, but it's so so true. Anyone who does anything." of value will have failed so many more times than they will have had success so it's like if you're not failing you're not putting yourself out there enough um so even though it sucks i think it's actually really good to be doing things that you are failing at because it means you're getting out of your comfort zone you're trying new things you're pushing yourself and that means that as a person you will be growing so much more than you would be if you were just staying in your comfort zone and not failing yeah which is a failure in itself yeah and the other thing, although, although failure kind of sucks, it's not actually that bad. It's kind of like, as long as you've ruined your life or, or lost your house or whatever it is, it's kind of just lessons learned effectively. So it's it's disappointing because you want a different outcome. But most of the time, that's beyond your control anyway. There's no point kind of looking back with regret. So it's, like you say, you chose the interesting route rather than the boring one. Just carry on with your life. And nobody ever cares about the stuff that you didn't do. If you keep going and eventually do something you're proud of, that's all anybody cares about anyway. If Steve Jobs had failed at a bunch of companies before, no one would give a crap. Which he did. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's all, all about the perspective of what of the way you're you're looking at it. Yeah, yeah. This is a stepping stone rather than yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm done. That's it. Yeah. And it's just another reason to enjoy the journey rather than the outcome, because the outcome of anything is uncertain. There's a million things which could derail anybody's plans. So if you're enjoying the journey, the worst thing that will happen is you won't get the outcome. At least you will have had a good ride. So I think that it's. And not taking failure or success, I guess that serious and yeah. it's probably a probably a key thing to try and take away from me. Yeah, and people always get so kind of tied up in what other people will think, like what will someone think if I apply for this and don't get it, or someone will talk about this. But other people do not care. Like no one else is really that interested in what the only person that cares about my success or failure is my family and friends who care about me and myself. Like, no one minds if I put myself out there and it doesn't work out. No one is really that interested. Obviously, there's a lot of internal talk going on with that as well, uh, with with that uncertainty and saying, hey, should you really be doing this? Do you guys have ways that you address that and kind of talk back to it or squash it down? Definitely. Definitely. I, I think that the biggest thing is that calling out uncertainty and being open and clear in your own mind that it is very uncertain, that you can't control the outcome, you might be able to influence it, but most things and outcomes are beyond your control. So knowing that's what it is and being kind of okay before you try something that there's a very real chance it won't work out. That's what a risk is. That's why it's uncertain. And so you're, you're choosing to buy into the, the failure or potential failure as much as you're choosing to buy into the potential success as well. So knowing that just means that you're on the journey knowing that it can definitely go either way. Yeah. So I think that, that really helps detach from the outcome somewhat and try to you know, enjoy the process on the way. I always try to just focus on the things that I can control. So there's things so you can do your best, you can do your best training, you can do your best preparation, but you can't control the outcome, which is basically the same as what you were saying. Yeah. So you want to be able to look back and be like, I've given this 110%, yeah. no matter what the outcome is, I can't look back with any regrets. And so when I have a goal that I'm working towards, that's the kind of ethos I try to have to be like, I just want to feel like I couldn't have done anything else. I think I, and I couldn't agree with that more. If you're kind of proud of what you tried to do, you can't, you can't look back. It would just be really sad to fail being like, oh, I just shouldn't have slept in every day. I should yeah. have tried a little bit harder. If you failed then, I think it would suck because you probably would regret not doing it. But, you know, if you've dug it in, you can't, you can't yeah, regret you can't, it. You, you couldn't have done anything different. Made the best decision you can with the information you have, and that's all anyone can do. I think that's really, really good advice. What was the last uncomfortable thing that you did? Fire people, I think. It's a really sad thing because there's been staff members who have been amazing people doing an incredibly good job who you build really close relationships with. But then if in a startup world, you have to be a little bit ruthless with money. Otherwise, everybody gets out of a job. And so that was, it's been the most uncomfortable thing by a long way is saying, sorry, there's no job for you anymore. You've got to go fix your whole life. So that's, that's something I, I think everybody hates to some extent, but it's a necessary evil, I guess. And I, I've just started working um, as a doctor uh, at a hospital up here in Wellington and I had six months off before I started and it was definitely a very kind of uncomfortable feeling for me going into that, having had six months off and turning up at seven in the morning and being given a pager and saying, here you go. <laughs> and then oh, crap. people just start ringing <laughs> you with questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was definitely um, uncomfortable, but it's like definitely got a lot easier over the last few years. Yeah. 
And what's the next uncomfortable thing you're going to do? We were just talking about this um, today that we need to get. I mean, we've got lots of obviously lots of goals with Learn Coach, and I've got um, a few other goals that I'm working towards. But I'd really like to make a goal that I'm really, really excited about, and I'm still working on what that is. I think for me, the next next uncomfortable thing is going to be deciding. I'd really love to do online education stuff, which I, I can't, I'm so passionate about, but do it closer to home. So rather than being so based in China, um, I'd really love it to relate to the people I'm, I'm dealing with more. But I can't see just yet how that transition will, will possibly take place, but I'd, I'd love to try. So that's going to be, it's a big goal of mine in the back of my mind. But um, yeah, chip away at it over time, I guess. Brilliant. So if people want to find out more about you guys and about Learn Coach, uh, where, can they, where can they go? So we have a Learn Coach website, www.learncoach.co.nz. We also have a Learn Coach Facebook page where we post our banter every week, our fun educational banter. Um, and I also have a Deborah Lambie Facebook page and website. I've just got the Learn Coach website. <laughs> Brilliant. We'll look, at, look out for you guys there. So... Just before we wrap things up, do you guys have any advice or life lessons or even interesting facts or interesting educational banter to leave our listeners with? Sadly, I, I can't comment on the educational banter. We leave that to the comedian as yeah, much as yeah, I wish yeah, I could. Yeah. But I think the big take-home message that, that I'm trying to tell myself is that trying something is makes the whole process, makes your life a more interesting journey. You've only got one, so why not do that? And so to detach from the outcome, as hard as that may be sometimes, means you can enjoy the journey a lot more. At the same time, you don't want to detach too much because you're still gunning for a goal that you want to be excited about in the same, in the same fashion. So I think finding that balance, if you can do it, go hard and carry on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely, I guess, make some goals that you're really excited about and work towards them. Because there's nothing kind of like more exciting than having something really cool on the horizon yeah. that you're all striving for. Brilliant. I think that's a great place to, to wrap it all up. Thanks very much for your time, guys, coming and sitting down with me today. Thanks it's been wicked. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having us. It's great.